0: when you talk about, you know, the, the importance, uh, that your mom played getting you help there, um, and, and, you know, the, sort of that last, that last effort, um, and that, you know, I've never heard someone say that before, that you were doing the work you are now because of who didn't make it to where you are, right? Like, that's, I love that, you know, that perspective on it, that sort of the shifting the perspective on it, not because of where you are, you know, your story, but because of all the other people whose stories, can't be told anymore i love that that's just a it's a beautiful way to put it
1: and we all and also for those stories that are still here and that yeah. can be called the the i what i've learned too is that not every single one of us even in 2021 has the um luxury of being loud and proud about our recovery status
2: i did draw a little bit from my childhood and i was thinking about um I was thinking about this, I was kind of prepared to answer this question and I didn't really know which way I wanted to go with it because there are things that I definitely pulled from my childhood and I put into that book. But for the most part, I I wrote about the life that I may have wanted at that time when surviving the abuse. So I was acknowledging that the abuse was there, but um, but I, I wish that it may have gone a little differently.
3: Hi, and welcome to Podcaster Stories. Each episode, we'll have a conversation with podcasters from across the globe and share their story, what motivates them, why they started a show, how they grew the show, and more. We'll also talk about their personal lives and some of the things that have happened that have made them the person they are today. And now here's your host,
4: Danny Brown. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Podcaster Stories, where we get to meet the people behind the voices of the shows we listen to. This week's a little different. Uh, I'm chatting with my wife about her podcast, which is about to go through a sort of rebrand and relaunch. So it should be a bit of an interesting conversation. So Jacqueline, Jacqueline Brown, who's the host of Mental Health and Me, which is about to change. How about you introduce yourself and your podcast to the listeners? Sure.
2: Hi, my name is Jacqueline Brown, and I um, host the show Mental Health and Me, or I used to. Um, it it is about my uh, my mental health journey, really, um, and it came from my blog, which I think. We're disbanding that too. so there's a lot of changes that I think we'll we'll probably talk about today but uh, but yeah, so it's basically just my journey with um, anxiety and depression and the ups and downs with those two uh, mental illnesses and how they impact me, how they how my mental health impacts my family and also how my family's mental health as well I'm gonna I talk about my journey, but I also talk about theirs because. Three out of four of us have been diagnosed with uh, with our own mental illnesses that are similar and different, all in the same. So, so yeah, it's it's quite the roller coaster of emotions, we'll say.
4: <laughs> and also, we have three dogs. We don't know what their mental health is like, <laughs> so it could be a, a higher ratio than the three out of four. That is true. <laughs> so, how did the idea for the show come about? You mentioned that you have a blog, um, which is sort of gone into the background, so I disappeared into the ether to concentrate on the podcast. But how did the idea for the show come about?
2: Um, well, that's all thanks to you, actually. <laughs> when I um, when I first had the idea of doing the blog, the Mental Health in Me blog, it was because I wanted to write my journey and I'm really good um, or I used to be. I'm uh, I'm up and down with my writing skills, we'll say, but I used to be really good at, at writing and so I, I wanted to to write this blog and um and encourage other people to talk about their mental health as well because there is this stigma and I think it's less so now, but there is a stigma around um mental health and uh it, you know, should it be you know, should you go to the doctor for your your mental well being? Well, yes, you should. And and should we be comfortable talking about it? Well, many of us aren't. We've got like Bell Let's Talk Day, which is one day a year, but we should be comfortable enough to talk about it. You know, whenever and um, and so my blog was like an outlet for that. And uh, and then one day you had said to me, "Let's you you should really turn this into a podcast." And um, and let me show you how to do that. <laughs> and I thought, yeah, that's that could work. That sounds really good. And I and I wanted to. And so, I- in
3: 1993, electronics giant Panasonic released the 3DO Interactive Multiplayer, more commonly referred to as just 3DO. At the time, this 32-bit gaming console was a huge leap over competing consoles like the Sega Genesis and Super Nintendo, both 16-bit machines. Using CD-ROM instead of cartridges, and positioning itself as a true multimedia component for your home entertainment setup, the 3DO was, in many ways, ahead of its time. Although it was always doomed to fail, it remains a beloved part of video game history for many. In Memories of 3DO, host Danny Brown takes you on a journey looking back at the ups and ultimately downs of the hardware, the games, and why it was a gaming system that should have shone had things gone slightly differently. Released bi-weekly, Each episode serves as a well-deserved reminder of how good the Feridio could be when it was given the games it excelled at. So strap yourself into your favorite gaming chair, plug in your gaming headset, and enjoy a trip down video gaming history with Memories of Feridio.
2: I started to do the podcast, I think even once we had an episode of you and I discussing our mental health uh, together, Um, and then the rest was just me sort of talking to myself and um and that's that would be the answer to your question that's sort of how the show began we'll get we'll get to where it's going (laughs) in further (laughs) i don't want to answer your next questions before you ask them but yeah that's that that's how it came i started the blog and then you suggested the the podcast and and here we are
4: and what did you find easier do you find writing about it easier talking about it uh, via podcast or a little bit of both
2: there this is difficult there are days when I find writing much easier um, when I find I have something to say it's very easy for me to just go and write it down Um, and so so blogging about it can be can be easier when I have something to say Um, I don't always have something to say and so maintaining and updating a blog felt uh, very challenging especially trying to stay on topic because you know there's so many aspects to my life, not just my mental health. So um, I, found, I found that to be challenging. Talking about it is, is easy when you have someone to talk to. And so I found when it was you and I having a discussion, it was, it was easy and it was natural. Recording a podcast that I was doing myself, it felt very unnatural and it felt forced. And, um, and I, I mean, like, I get nervous anyways, even just talking to you right now, I'm there, I feel my nerves. But, um, by myself, I had, there was a lot of extra pressure to, to be perfect and to get it right. And what am I saying? And what if I mess up? And do I script this or do I not script it? If I script it, then it sounds like a robot. If I don't script it, then like, What if I go way off topic and I forget the whole point of it? So, I mean, there was a lot of pressure when I was podcasting alone. And so I didn't, I I didn't like it. I'll say that. I I mean, the show, I I liked what the show was about and I liked the idea of it, but the actual doing it was very difficult for me. So if it's between the two and it's just me, I'm going to say I much prefer to write than to speak Mm -hmm. about it, but...
4: And I think I can speak to that nervousness. I know like we record, uh, recorded on Squadcast, which I always use for my guests. Um, and that's got a little video green room and you wanted the camera switched off while we're chatting with each other, even though we're basically next door to each other via a single wall so i can definitely allude to that nervousness you mentioned
2: Uh, well yeah and and we're married so i shouldn't be nervous with you and um and you know for our listeners right now we are not in the same room we are sharing a wall like you said so we can't see each other so it would make sense to have the cameras on so we can see each other while we're talking on our separate microphones but um I, I'm happy to look at you and have this conversation with you. But when I turn on my camera, that means I'm going to be looking at me and I would get distracted by me and I behave so like I just unprofessional, we'll say. So it, it was like, you know what? This is going to go way better if I turn off the camera.
4: Now, you mentioned, obviously, uh, your preference primarily for writing if it wasn't a a co-hosted show or a, a conversation on a podcast. so. On top of that, what's been some of the challenges you faced early on with the show, either from a technical point of view or or just getting the show off the ground, I guess?
2: So I listen to podcasts, obviously not quite as uh, much as you. <laughs> it's your business to do so. But um, but I do listen to, to some podcasts and I find that I enjoy the ones that are, uh, you know, co-hosted or even if it's just one person's podcast and they're, um, interviewing a guest speaker each week, I, I really enjoy those ones. And I found that when I was listening to podcasts that were just like one person, I mean, like the occasional show with just one person is totally fine. But like an entire series of episodes of just one person talking, you you start to hear the scripts, and it just it wasn't it wasn't my thing. It just wasn't enjoyable, and so I didn't want to be like that. That's that's one of those things that. um that when you when you want to do something you emulate the things that you like. It's
4: Finding the Best Canadian podcast to listen to can be hard. With literally thousands of shows out there, how can you be sure you find ones worthy of your listen time? Easy. Let the Best Canadian Podcast Show be your guide. I'm Danny Brown, and if you love All Things Canadian, this show is for you. Each week I'll share one of the best Canadian podcasts around and tell you why you have to listen to it. Doesn't matter what genre it is, doesn't matter what language it's in okay that's not true i don't speak french so it's going to be in english only but
2: it's the same as when you know when writing a book if you want to write a book you tend to write in the genre that you like to read about because that that's your thing that's what you know so um it 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 makes sense for you know in the in the podcasting world it's the exact same thing and so i i just found it really like those were my challenges like how do you how do you get a podcast off the ground when it's just you and you don't really enjoy listening to podcasts
4: with just one person. <laughs> so obviously you mentioned that the trying to find your feet, trying to find your niche, if you like, um, was one of the challenges. You've mentioned earlier as well that there's three out of four of the family unit suffers from some form of mental illness, whether that's depression or anxiety. So was your podcast, is it geared towards uh, family issues? Is it geared towards a certain demographic? Who would your audience be for the, the show?
2: Wow. Um, I get, I guess anyone, anyone who suffers from mental illness, um, I would like to gear it towards them, but that's a very big audience. So I niche down to, uh, depression and more so anxiety than depression, but I do talk and, um, and sort of dance the line between both of them and how they're both related to, to me and how one impacts the other because I have both. And, um, and so i would gear my uh, i would like to gear the show towards people in the same same scenario because it's it's very you know like even anxiety um you know you suffer from anxiety and i suffer from anxiety and our son suffers from anxiety and between the three of us no two of us are the same and our symptoms are are not the same and um our our triggers are not the same and our outbursts are not the same like it, so when when we talk about it we have very different things to say and um and so i would like I would like to put that out there really to, to anyone who does not suffer from anxiety. And right now I don't think that's anybody, but um, to to anyone who doesn't think that they suffer from any sort of mental illness, give us a listen because you'll get to see what, you know, how, how different things are for people um, who do suffer. And and so i would like to you know i i'd like to gear gear the podcast towards those people and maybe provide some information there but i think you know if i'm being honest i think more people who do suffer and who are finding out now that they suffer especially with you know covid and and people who didn't suffer before are definitely suffering now um i th- i think that it would be this would be good for them to see you know like it's it's normal. It's the new normal. It is. The, it's the old normal. It's it's normal to suffer, and we all suffer differently. But that doesn't make, you know, one person, um, one person's symptoms or, um, you know, one person's anxiety worse or, or stronger than somebody else's. You know, you can't really compare, is what I'm saying. So just, uh, yeah, just just hear us out and hear how hear how we differ, and maybe you will learn something.
4: And I think that, that ties perfectly into uh, a blog post that you wrote um, on your Mental Health and Me uh, blog a uh, couple of years back, I think it was maybe two, three years, called The Glass Box. And uh, that was a very raw descriptive term of what suffering from depression and anxiety feels like. Um, and, and that that I know the response that you got from people either when it was shared on Facebook or got in touch with you via email, et cetera. People were sharing how it touched them because it spoke to different, you know, different, aspects of mental illness so i think that's like you said it's a key point that it may be a show about mental health or a show about depression or a show about anxiety but you've you've been like dealing with this for 20 plus years now so you bring out a a wealth of experiences that anybody can sort of tap into if you like
2: yeah and it changes too like if you asked me 20 years ago you know when i was just finding out uh, what, you know, finding out the symptoms and what it actually meant is very different to what I'm suffering now. It doesn't, it changes it, it, uh, it but it doesn't go away and um, it can get better. Like you can have your better days for sure. And you can have better months even and go, yeah, I've beat this. I'm doing great. And then all of a sudden something happens and you sink right back into that, that zone. And so it's, it, it's, it's good to know, what your triggers are and it's also good to be aware that those triggers will change they they will and um and and i i i could talk about this
4: forever <laughs> mm. now you mentioned COVID earlier uh, and a lot more people are now realizing or becoming more aware of the, their mental health and why it's important to stay on top of it if you like um What's what's been some of the challenges you've found both as a person that suffers from, you know, mental health issues and as a parent of a kid that also suffers from mental health issues during say a lockdown during pandemic what's been some of the challenges that you've you've had to overcome
2: So this is interesting because if you were to ask me, you know, what are the challenges that I've faced, you know, with the lockdown and and you know ha- because of COVID, um, my anxiety has actually gotten much better because a lot of my anxiety has been, um, social related and it's called social anxiety. And so, um, and you can s- certainly read about it in that glass box, um, post, but, um, but I find that, um, when I'm around more people, I am way more anxious because, uh, you know, it's it's my trigger right it's, it's the thing that makes me paranoid I'm overthinking all the things and so now that I'm isolated and in lockdown uh, and we moved so far from everyone we know I mean like I miss people but I still get to call them and video chat and zoom and whatever so I still get my social without actually having to enter their bubble and so I'm I've been doing you know much better in for the most part you know with lockdown. However, my son is different. And, um, and so he, he's taken quite the turn, um, over the last little while, especially, um, he's a very social being and he's a very competitive being, but he's always been like a social kid. And, um, and so he needs his classmates and he needs his soccer team and he needs his extracurriculars and he needs, he just he needs people, and right now he only has our house, and he doesn't. Um, he you know he, he he doesn't go to school. He's in online learning, and he doesn't have a soccer team, and he doesn't have the things that he needs for his sanity. And so um, I can see it taking a toll on his mental health, and um, and it's been very difficult difficult to, to parent. I'll, I'll say like to to be strong for him and and to coach him and to like I always 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 remind him that it's okay to feel the feelings he's feeling good or bad you're allowed you're entitled to your emotions and to just have them but it's it's so hard when many of his emotions are negative now when he's like the happy kid and oh it's I'll just to answer your question in a nutshell. It's very difficult,
4: <laughs> and it, it's interesting. I was reading um, an article a couple of weeks back that was on about the the, the physical aspects of COVID. And the
1: um, another one is uh, recording with headphones versus speakers. That's a big debate um, in our community, and uh, we again were able to bring some some clear kind of you know cut and dry data to that to that picture and conversation and uh for anybody out there please wear headphones anytime you record audio Uh, i think uh that's that's one of the the big takeaways and things that we see kind of people uh just, just showing up on squadcast and jumping in head first which is always good we always tell people just start your podcast right but uh it's 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 not intuitive why headphones would impact quality it's it's intuitive why the microphone would impact quality but headphones is just one of those things that's not intuitive it's not a fashion statement or a coincidence that you see people in studios and things like that all wearing headphones. Like, there's a reason for that, and I can go into that. But you know, please wear headphones.
4: Long, the long COVID, you know, so you may recover quickly from the infection, but the long-term damage to, say, lungs, heart, etc., um, is still to really be determined and what that could look like. But it was an interesting piece that looked at what this generation's mental health will look like in 10 years or 20 years time when we sort of look back and we, we, we look at generations and impacts of mass effects. Um, and the, the concern at the moment is to your point, kids that are normally social butterflies or really need that social interaction that aren't getting that at the moment. What's the impact going to be on on them and what what kind of adults are they going to become? And you know is that going to place a big sort of stress on mental health resources? in the next 10 15 20 years
2: yeah and you know i'd be interested in seeing what happens to our other child for for that matter like our daughter is also very social she's a little social butterfly and always been like the popular kid in the class and everybody comes to her birthday parties and um but she just has been coping much much better with online learning and with social distancing and with all that she um she's gets on uh, messenger kids or whatever and and facebook's with her friends so she still feels like she's getting that social element and um and online learning she turns on her camera and she's like looking at all her friends and so I feel like she's in the same room with them and so maybe it hasn't been as hard on her um but who knows like you said the long term maybe maybe now she's doing great but like 10-15 years from now she might need therapy but don't we all
4: 10-15 <laughs> no. yeah, minutes from now 10-15 no, yeah, right. <laughs> years now I don't know if interest in the right word but certainly it's it's something that's that will be you know it was a valid point the the journalist was making about it so it will be curious to see what what impact that has for sure now we'd mentioned earlier that Uh, You had the blog that originated, you know, the the podcast, so to speak, and you've always enjoyed writing. You were actually um, a co-owner of a publishing house um, for a a good few years. And you're a published author yourself with several young adult books to your name. So out of curiosity, what made you choose YA over other genres, over maybe not talking about mental health in in your books, for instance?
2: Uh, Yeah, well, when I wrote my books, um, I... I started writing actually when I was pregnant with our first child. And, um, and so I don't, I don't, I don't really know what, like, I think I just like woke up one day and was like, I had a dream last night and it was good. And I think it would make a good book. And then I started writing and I didn't stop. Like, that's kind of how I started writing. But, um, but I say like, and I said this earlier in the show too, um, it's, if you want to write a book, you write what you know right, you write what you would want to read, you write what you want would enjoy reading about. And at that time in my life, I read a lot of young adult. I read all, like I read the Harry Potters, I read the Twilights, I read, I loved young adult fiction. And so it made sense for me at that time to write young adult fiction. Now I, re- I read, my like my genre of choice is actually thrillers. And so if I were to start writing again, it would make sense for me to write a thriller. However, I don't think that's a good idea because <laughs> you need in order to write a thriller, you need to know like the the laws of, I don't know, like police academy and detective work and murder and all these things that I enjoy reading about, but have no background and and no, I'm not going to get any <laughs> experience doing any of those things. So so it doesn't make sense for me to continue writing. But um, but yeah, to, that was why I wrote young adult fiction back oh gosh like 15 years ago um when I was reading all all of the young it's been a really long time since I wrote
4: AD I don't know if you
2: put that in perspective but I can't even remember the last time I wrote fiction
4: so now I'm thinking of young adults uh being part of the the police academy movies yeah like the comedy movies that, that anything police academy is mentioned I always sort of jump back to so was it Steve uh, Steve Guttenberg I think was one of the main guys in the the movies one of my favorite series is for well the early ones anyway well
2: that's funny that you think of that though like i i guess i have a number of friends who've been through actual police academy and it's not at all like the show, show so when i think police academy i think like the real thing well police
4: academy was a real thing wasn't it
2: i'd have to go back and watch
4: <laughs> that maybe had more mishaps but uh than your average police academy that, like student? the three
2: stooges they're real too right <laughs> i don't know <laughs>
4: king kong
0: yeah <laughs>
4: so, now what are your book series because you wrote as you mentioned you were focused on young adult and you actually uh, wrote a book series uh that was about a young teen who has an, an abusive childhood and how that impacts her outlook on life and her personality so how much of that was drawn from personal experiences because when i was reading it, i saw some parts i thought hmm, that seems kind of like familiar if you like
2: yeah um so that so that the series that you're talking about that was the first um that was the first book and set of books that I ever wrote and so for the record those were never published um they were just uh that was just a project I did for myself and uh and I made sure to get them bound and look pretty so that you know we could read them in proper format instead of a Word document, but, but it was not published. So it's not out there in the universe. Uh, but for those who, who did read it, um, I did draw a little bit from my childhood. And I was thinking about, um, I was thinking about this, I was kind of prepared to answer this question. And I didn't really know which way I wanted to go with it. Because there are things that I definitely pulled from my childhood and I put into that book. But for the most part, I I wrote about the life that I may have wanted at that time when surviving the abuse. So I was acknowledging that the abuse was there, but um but I I wish that it may have gone a little differently. Um, and I guess an example of this is, um, I, I never had a good relationship with my brother. Uh, as a child, uh, as an adult, like we just we never we were never friends, we we never had a good relationship, we never had a strong bond. And, um, and in the book that you're talking about, they had a very, the, the brother sister connection was very strong. And, um, and he helped her get through many of the you know, much of the dark, we'll just say all the dark periods, he was there for her. And in my childhood, I would like, unfortunately, I have to say my childhood was, was a little bit darker than that because I I just, I didn't have, I didn't have that bond with my brother and I didn't have someone to, you know, to, to, you know, show me the light, if you will. So I kind of had to get there on my own, but I mean, I did so I feel like pros and cons with the with the book like yes I put some of the dark in the book but I showed a different side of you, you know in in the book than what actu- actually happened. So it's more it's more fiction than than real. I'll just say that.
4: And, and one of the the main characters obviously you, you talked about uh, bonds and strengths in in that series and one of the main characters uh with the bond was uh between the daughter and the mom as well. And obviously, I know how close you and your mom are. Did your mom read that? And did she did she look back at some of the things that happened that she wasn't aware of? Or did your mom not get to read these uh, these books? Uh,
2: my mom read them, and um, and she was very proud of me actually for opening up in in there. Um, and but she said it was very emotional for her, and it was very difficult for her to read some of that because of how honest it was. Now, I I will I will say um, I kind of wrote. The mom out of the books. And that was just easier for me when I was writing them to to say this series is about this girl and her brother and how they are dealing with their high school relationships. And that's it. And so I ended up writing the mom out of the book by just saying that she worked all the time. So she, she was like she she wasn't dead. She was totally there, but she wasn't a part of the kid's life because she had to work to support them. She had to work to to put a roof over their heads. So she was like, th- those kids basically raised themselves while the mom was financing it. and And that was just how I wrote the book. But my mom, as hard of a worker as she is, I don't remember a time in my life when she was not there for me. And I think that's very different from what I portrayed in the book. And I made sure to tell her that afterwards. Like I wrote her out because it was easier for me to write the story about the two siblings without a mother interference, because that's not what the story was about. So in like I said, in my, in my life, m- my brother and I were not close. So my mom and I were. And we, of course, we had our ups and downs. We weren't always as close, but... I don't remember her ever not being there.
4: So you mentioned that the the book, say it, it drew from some experiences, some were fictional, um, and some are how you wanted it to happen uh, with either, you know, the brother-sister dynamic and, and the a different dynamic with your mom. Because you're so close with your mom now, I guess you've always been, but certainly now, <laughs> um, are there any lessons you've learned from, you know, that time that you spoke about in the book, if you, if you like? Uh, to to now and raising your own children now that you're a mom of two yourself?
2: Oh um it's oh it's funny. Um how can I I don't even know how best to answer this. What I've learned from my childhood and how I um how I parent my children um <laughs> I I want to say I learned what not to do. <laughs> I learn. I shouldn't say that because my mom is awesome, but um but I know I know that I show my kids every day, every day, how much I love them and how much they mean to me. And, um, and I don't know that that was ever shown to me as a child. Maybe that's what I needed, but, um, but it's definitely what I do for my kids. And, um, you'll, you'll notice and you're, and I know you do this also, but anyone else who sees us in our home environment, we'll notice that my son, for example, my daughter too, but my son more, um, will say, I love you to each of us individually, 20 to 30 times a day, no exaggeration. And every time he says it, we say, I love you too. It doesn't we don't go, oh, I'm tired of hearing that. We respond, we acknowledge that he said it and we say it back. And he'll come in for a hug and we hug him back. We will stop what we're doing. And he gets that hug. And um and my daughter, like I said, she does it too, but I think she almost does it just because her brother is doing it. But he <laughs> but he does he go he does this and um and I that I think I don't know if it's something that I learned to do or not to do from my own childhood, but I make sure that to no matter how busy I am, I make sure to reciprocate those hugs and those I love yous because I think they are super important and they are for sure what we need in this house.
4: And I'm wondering, I I know exactly what you mean, obviously I'm I'm in the house too, so, so I know exactly what you mean, but I'm wondering if you mentioned that our daughter doesn't you know, say it as often even though we know she does um, love us. But I'm wondering if that boils back down to your point earlier that she has the, the almost physical daily interaction with her classmates and friends that her son doesn't. Um, so maybe the, the physical interaction he needs, he's getting from the, the love and the hugs that he, he initiates each day or each time.
2: Um it could be but I know that he was like this even before the lockdown and even before covid and even when he was going to school every day and and in soccer in his rep soccer league and doing that three or four times a week like he would still he still needed the, to say that he loves us and he still needed to come in for hugs for no reason and I love it but um I think our daughter is a little different just in that um I think I think she doesn't she doesn't need to say it. She knows it. So, and I can see that in her because if she ever felt unloved, we would know, we would certainly know. She would make sure we knew that she was not feeling, um, as happy or as loved as her brother. She would tell us, (laughs) but, but, um, but yeah, I think, um, I don't know maybe it could be me. I could be it could be me too because I know I'm the type of person that says I love you all the time and I like hearing it back. I love you. I love you too. I think it's important. Um and I know with my um my ex, my ex-partners, uh I can think of one in particular where I would say it and he wouldn't say it back and I'd be like, "What's wrong? Like don't you love me?" And he's like, "I don't feel like I need to say it. Like you should just know that I do." And it's true like we sh- we should just know this if we're showing it we don't have to say it and I think that's where our daughter is but our son just like me needs to say it and hear it back and so we give him that. <laughs> that I don't think it has so much to do with covid maybe it might be enhanced because of the lockdown but I don't I think it was it's something ingrained in us
4: It's like um it makes me think of the elf movie when he's always singing, I love you, you're my dad, and I love you. <laughs> and his dad doesn't want to reciprocate until near the end of the movie you, when he <laughs> gets this big life lesson. So no, I I, I hear you. I, I love the fact that he's like that for sure. Now, we mentioned earlier that your show started off as a solo podcast, and it was Mental Health and Me, but it's about to relaunch within the, the next few weeks, I guess. Um, and I believe it's going to be called Mental Health and Us. Uh, where it's going to be a co-hosted show with yourself and, and me. And we'll have guests on there to talk about different aspects of mental uh, health and mental illness. So what are your goals with the show, with the relaunch coming up, and what would you hope to achieve with the show moving forward uh, in its new sort of format, if you like?
2: Um, I, I'm going to say I have similar goals as I did when I launched the first time, except I'm hoping that it will be... Um, I don't know. I want to say like less dramatic. I'm hoping it's more casual and and easygoing. I don't know. I felt like the when I first came out with it just being me, it felt very like dark. And I don't want it to be dark. I mean like I know the things that we're talking about are, you know, like, you know, mental illness, not like mental health and well-being. We're talking about mental illness. we're talking about the downs of like mental health and um and I, I it is it is a serious topic, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't talk about it. And so I'm hoping to <laughs> I don't want to say I'm hoping to make it fun, but I'm hoping it's more of enjoyable to the listener who's n- not just listening to somebody come on and vent all the time because that is that can get depressing from a listener perspective. So I'm I'm my goal is to to that by opening the doors to more people, that it becomes more enjoyable to listen to and more informational
4: and less I don't know, ranty. <laughs> so it's like almost like opera. Like you get a symptom, you get a symptom, yeah. you get a symptom. <laughs> like that kind of approach. No, and I think that it's to your point, I, I completely agree. It's um I think there's a we all know that mental wellness and mental health is a, a deep, heavy topic. Um and it can be like you said, it can be really hard to to talk about uh, with the stigma that's around it. So I think bringing fun and bringing sort of not so much energy, but just hey, we're having a normal conversation. You wouldn't feel bad talking about a broken arm or the fact that you've stubbed your toe or banged your shin or whatever, which is physical ailments. So I don't think we should be, you know, we shouldn't be talking any differently when it comes to mental ailments either. I don't think.
2: Yes, I agree. <laughs> I, like, I don't know if that's a question.
4: <laughs> that was your cue. I was just adding on little value add there. I won't have to edit that part out. No, I like it. Reel. <laughs> so we so we, we've been speaking about um, obviously uh the the influences of your childhood and your your you know growing up uh, and some of the people in it. I think I know the answer to this question. I'm gonna ask anyway, who would be your personal hero and why that person?
2: Ah. You totally know, um, and it is uh, it is somebody I already talked about lots today. This my hero is my mother, like hands down the easiest choice. Um, if you asked me to like pick a celebrity or somebody dead or whatever, I wouldn't have any clue where to start. But like for for my my hero, I would pick my mother because she is the strongest person I know. She survives anything, like anything that comes her way. She. She can survive it. And um, you know, poor girl, she broke her foot um, you know, this week, and has had surgery and plates and rods and whatever else. and 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 she's still she's surviving like she's still going. and um, and she had, you know, she had two young children she had her she had me and my brother when she was really, really young. and um, and so she had to re she had to alter her life course because she had two she was a kid when she had kids we'll just say it that way and um and then and she did and then she had to get her education differently because she had kids at home so she wasn't able to do things the way kids did and um or I should say teens, like, right. She, she had to get her education differently and she did it. And, um, and then she got a job and then she got a better job and then she got a better job. And like, she just, she's constantly working towards something and constantly progressing. And she's just, she's such a good role model for, for me. Like she, she just, she's a winner. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know how I could better say that. Like she never, e- even when times are tough, she, she, manages to get through it and show me the positive outlook you know the positive way to to look at at things so that you know so that I'm not always down and 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 I can't I really like if you're listening mom I just I wanted to say you're my hero and thank you I love you
4: (laughs) and and you'll get a better uh, a bigger part in the next book
2: yeah (laughs) 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 it'll be the thriller though you know that right
4: (laughs) Oh yeah, I know she's going to be the victim of the shower now. Yeah, yes. <laughs> killed off in chapter two. <laughs> but bigger, bigger. Yeah, exactly. So Jacqueline, I've really enjoyed speaking with you today. Um, it's been interesting just being a wall away from you <laughs> having this talk because um, normally my guests are obviously very different, very remote from me. Um, but I've really enjoyed chatting with you. For people that want to connect with you or listen to the podcast um, or even you know, check out a new project you're about to launch as well, Where's the best place they can find you?
2: Oh, um, (laughs) you know what? I want you to answer this question because we've done so many changes. I don't even know like what my email address is anymore. (laughs) How about you answer this question?
4: Okay, fair enough. Nice, nice deflection there. (laughs) Deflection, deflection, deflection. Okay, so yeah, so the podcast is called Mental Health and Us and you can find it at mentalhealthpodcast.ca. Jacqueline's new project is A Girl on a Book, which is a, a book review site and membership site, which is kind of cool. And you can find that at a girl. No, you can find it at girlonabook.com. Girl in a Book. But maybe check it out at the end of February when it's actually live.
2: Yes, yes. And I, I'm sure I will have email addresses for those two, but I don't even know what they are. So once we have them, we will definitely post them. But I will say Girl in a Book is correct because I tried a girl in a book and was disappointed. (laughs) So, girl in
4: a book. (laughs) Well, as I say, Jacqueline, thanks again for coming on. I'll be sure to put the the links to the various sites and the podcast in the show notes. So if you're listening to this episode on your favourite podcast app, make sure to check out the show notes as usual so you can click straight through to them. So, Jacqueline, thanks again for appearing on the show today.
2: Thank you. It's been fun.
4: This has been Podcast Stories. If you enjoyed this week's episode, be sure to subscribe on your favorite app. You can also hop over to podcasterstories.com and get the free newsletter so you get an episode as soon as it comes out. Until the next time, take care and stay safe.
0: When you talk about, you know, the the importance uh, that your mom played getting you help there um, and, and, you know, the sort of that last, that last effort. Um, and that, you know, I've never heard someone say that before that, you were doing the work you are now because of who didn't make it to where you are. Right. Like that's, I love that, per, you know, that perspective on it, that sort of the shifting the perspective on it, not because of where you are, and how, you know, your story, but because of all the other people whose stories can't be told anymore. I love that. That's just a, it's a beautiful okay. way to put and, it.
1: And we all, and also for those stories that are still here and that yeah. can, be oh, told. the, the, I, what I've learned too, is that Not every single one of us, even in 2021, has the um, luxury of being loud and proud about our recovery status.